song that gets me beaten is is uh, "They Call Me the Breeze" by Leonard Skinner. Okay, I can. Oh yeah, I can see that. This part here. I can see why that would make you speed for sure. Uh, yeah, send me the one that does it for you. That's a new one. I haven't had that one before. Simi at cknw.com. Got lots of interesting choices. We'll dive more into that coming up. Right now, though, we're going to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. I know, no macho man this morning, Vaughn, but that's okay. We're doing something a little bit different. And good morning, Simi. And I'm going to go with uh, Nazareth doing Joni Mitchell this <laughs> flight tonight because it's so damn funny when... You first discovered right? the song through Joni Mitchell, as I did. And I mean, what is that Joni Mitchell? You know, apparently she loved it too, which just tells me she's got a great sense of humor. I, I do like Simi, the guy who who mentioned Radar Love, though, because that's a wonderful piece of music because it also contains its own advice against speeding up yeah, when you're exactly. in your car. <laughs> <laughs> Even though that's what people seem to do. Also, yeah, I'm pretty no. sure, Vaughn, that's the only time you would have a band like Nazareth on your list. Am I right? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I guess I'll be cast out. I should have said the Ramones. I know, I know. But you know, nobody plays the Ramones on the radio that I've ever heard. So there's no danger that I'm going to speed up listening to them. I had a few people say Deep Purple, Highway Star. Yeah, 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 okay, few, yeah I had like no, three good. emails with that. So I thought, all yeah. right, there's some definitely heavy metal is the thing that makes people yeah. put the foot down on the gas pedal. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some politics this morning. Interesting developments. Uh, could we have a new political party in the legislature? Yeah, the whole place, of course, the legislature is agog with all sorts of things that, that really don't spread all that well beyond the confines of the building. But yesterday it was, hey, 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 John Rustad has crossed the floor. So BC Liberal MLA turned independent because he was kicked out of the caucus by Kevin Falcon. And he's now declared himself to be a BC conservative. It is the first time we've had somebody sitting in the legislature proclaiming themselves as a conservative in 2012. So... Uh, more than 10 years, um, long time since anyone was actually elected to the right. legislature as a conservative uh, trivia fans, 45 years ago. So okay, so they can say they're call a conservative. All sorts of things. Exactly. But, uh, getting elected under that is another challenge. That's exactly what I was about to say. They can call themselves that, but get themselves elected is that? That's a different thing. Yeah. Now, uh, however, you become official in the BC legislature uh, not as a single member. He's technically still an independent, but if Rustad can persuade someone else to cross to him and call themselves a conservative. He has official party status. It used to be that it took four members to uh, be recognized as an official party and get a salary for leader and a salary extra for house leader and research money and all that stuff. Um, under the NDP, that was changed to two. It was part of the deal where the New Democrats uh, cut a deal with the Greens to govern together and power sharing. So only two members, and yesterday everybody was sort of looking around on the floor and going, oh, is there anybody else here who's ticked off enough at uh, Kevin Falcon already that they might join Rustad, and suddenly we will have an official conservative party in the legislature. Hmm. And how did this go over with the BC Liberals? Well, Falcon's reaction was... Uh, first of all, he says he's not worried. He immediately invoked the last guy to do this. Uh, Falcon was in the House at the time, and it was John Van Dongen, and he was 
deeply upset with then Premier Christy Clark, and he called himself a conservative and did that for about six months and then fell out with the then leader of the conservatives and quit them as well. So Falcon said that's not really very impressive, and that's the last time we had one. Um, the other thing that he said, and this you know is a matter of record, is that um, he kicked... Rustad out of the Liberal caucus because Rustad had started to associate with um, climate change deniers or climate change minimizers. And Falcon pointed out that Rustad voted for uh, Canada's first carbon tax way back in 2008, and Rustad got elected four times as a BC liberal and a member of a political party that accepts human-caused climate change that pioneered the carbon tax and that thinks we have to do something about it. So Falcon said, you know, MLAs get to express their opinions, but seriously, run four times as somebody who says climate change is real and we need a carbon tax and then turn around and say, well, I don't believe in that stuff anymore. You're not welcome in the Liberal caucus. Okay. Will this pose any kind of problem, do you think? Or were there issues with, obviously there were issues with John Rustad already. Yeah, I mean, Rustad raised a couple of other issues. Uh, He says uh, now he's part of the Conservatives who oppose the carbon tax. Uh, He uh, spoke out yesterday in favor of what he calls the healthcare heroes. So those are health care workers who were fired or laid off because they refused to get vaccinated. And Rustad called on the government during question period yesterday to reinstate them all. And Adrian Dix got up and said, no, he said, the, we've got a lot of people in long-term care. We've got a lot of people in acute care who are vulnerable and healthcare workers, uh, unvaccinated ones, it's a small number of people, are not going to put those people at risk. So the government has been firm on that, and so far the Liberals have supported them. So uh, Rustad speaks, Simi, for a number of British Columbians who agree with him, uh, who agree uh, that the carbon tax is a bad thing, who uh, minimize climate change, who didn't like vaccine mandates, who are worried as he is about uh, the fate of the forest industry, who want to see more LNG development. So, you know, he has a constituency out there. How far he will go with that, um, he, he could go a long way. He could draw enough votes in the next election, especially if he's got a second MLA with him, uh, to take votes uh, away from the Liberals, to get people to vote who weren't going to vote anyway because they think all the big parties are the same, and he could have an impact on the election. Or it could be what's happened with some of the other people who've gotten onto the political scene as conservatives, which is uh, when the election rolls around, the B.C. electorate polarizes, as it usually does, and people who don't want the NDP vote either green or for whatever the heck the Liberals are calling themselves at that point. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Uh, Okay, speaking of what's going on in the legislature these days, okay, what the heck was going on here yesterday with, like, do they have nothing to talk about? Yeah, the, the, the government adjourned the House yesterday afternoon early because there was nothing, they had nothing on their agenda that they were prepared to call for debate. So the government decides what they debate in the House most of the time. They call legislation this early in the session because we don't have the budget yet. It's not coming up till the 28th. 
And the the New Democrats said they were calling the House early this year because we're in 100 days of action and we're going to get a substantive legislative agenda, two dozen bills. Unfortunately for them, they weren't ready. Uh, The bills they brought in so far are not substantial. They are bills that the opposition parties agree with, so there's not a huge amount of debate. And one thing they brought in that was contentious, the thing we've talked about this week, Bill 5, the one that strips some bargaining rights away from the government lawyers, they've put that on hold because they've entered into talks with the government lawyers to try to sort things out. So we got to early afternoon. The government tried filibustering one of its own bills, which is kind of embarrassing. And they tried to to come up with a motion that would give the House something to talk about. And that didn't work, so they adjourned the House early because they had nothing to talk about. Okay, so what is going on here then? Well, I think there's a tendency, and the Liberals certainly are doing it, to blame the new House leaders. So David Eby uh, uh, appointed Ravi Kalon the new House leader for the government side, replacing Mike Farnworth. The Liberals were joking in the hallway yesterday. They were going to start a, char- a chant, bring back Farney, bring back Farney, see if any of the new Democrats joined in. But look, it, 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 Kalon is a new and inexperienced House leader, and it's hard to manage the business of the House. But I don't think it's fair to blame him entirely. The thing we're hearing is um, the government is on the fast track. The Premier's office is controlling everything but they haven't delivered the marching orders on legislation quickly enough to the staff that actually draft legislation to get the bills ready and fully consulted with the First Nations and in form that is error-free and onto the legislative agenda. They're running behind schedule. And the Liberals are upset about this, Simi, because... As you know, if they don't get the legislation in the House quickly enough and have enough time to debate it, then you get to the scene we had last fall, which is the government just imposes closure on debate. Well, the government's late with the bills. You get closure at the end of the session and this year. Again, for their own reasons, the New Democrats are adjourning the House two or three weeks earlier than they usually do. Why? Well, there's been some speculation as they want to leave the way clear for an early election, but whatever the reason is, um, they are not ready for the spring session of the legislature the way they claimed they would be. Hmm. Is it because of the transition, do you think? I think it's partly the transition. I think it's partly that uh, EB's office, the Premier's office, has been asserting control over the government for this activist agenda. You know, the Premier's appointed all these lawyers and special advisors. And the bureaucracy is sitting there waiting to be instructed. John Horgan used to delegate better. And once the premier delegated, the ministries went ahead and drafted all the legislation. But now David Eby's controlling everything. Everybody's just sitting there on their hands waiting for instructions. And the instructions are not coming quickly enough to get the promised substantive bills into the House, and we saw the consequences yesterday, a government that had to adjourn the House two weeks into the session because they had nothing to talk about. Hmm. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Sim.